Hey there, Selena. You know what's crazy? What's up? I am sitting here looking at your face. <sighs> you are. In, in real life. In real life. I-R-L. <laughs> I had to really think about that one. <laughs> this is a real, real big day. It, well, it wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't. So we were supposed to have a, a virtual recording, mm -hmm. and you know what we decided? Not me. Actually, Nikki said, you want to just come over and do it? And I YOLO. Said, uh, mm -hmm. I say, <laughs> whoop, 2009. You said IRL, so I just used another one. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Don't be looking across this table and telling me truth. <laughs> I'm sorry. So before, like, we get into the episode, I just wanted to celebrate that. That's very exciting. Yeah, and we're doing it because also I think we've got a little, a little itch. A little, wait a second, I see you looking at me. A little Independence Day itch. Oh, that itch. Okay. Right. So right, you, right. you all will probably hear this in October. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, it'll still be 104 degrees, <laughs> depending on where you live in the South. I think it'll be August, actually, so it will definitely still be 104 degrees. Oh, you'll feel like you're in hell then. <laughs> okay. So... Uh, you know, we try really hard not to age this since we have to record a little ahead of time, but it's Independence Day. It's, it's the second big holiday of the summer. I was going to say the first, but I guess Memorial Day weekend is the first. Yeah. So also, it's the second. Well, it's also the second of July, technically. We are not actually meeting on July 4th. <laughs> but it gets better and better. It's real close. Like, I can just, I can smell the grilled food. Smell the hot dogs? Yeah. Just on my... Lake stained fingers. <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? Sorry. Oh yeah. my. That was almost as bad as the Google hand before. <laughs> Anyways, so I just thought I'd ask, like, uh, what are your plans? What you got going on? What you doing? <laughs> so many things. I'm running the Peachtree Road Race here in Atlanta. That's it. Well, okay, so for people who aren't from Atlanta, say more. The Peachtree Road Race is a 10K that goes through Buckhead Midtown. And that's it. I was going to say Atlanta. That's not true. Buckhead and Midtown, which are two uh, kind of uh, different parts of the city. And it's been going on since I think the 70s. They do it every single July 4th. This is my 11th year doing it. Uh, it is my first year doing it alone. I've never done it by myself because I've always had my stepdad or my husband and or a friend. And there, no one is doing it this year. So I'm doing it by myself. Um, so I'm excited, though. It's a really, it's a huge party. It's the biggest 10K in the U.S., I want to say, if I'd known you were going to ask this question, I would have looked it up. In the U.S. or possibly the world. I think you're right. I've, I've read that before. Yeah. I'm a little surprised that you just didn't on the fly know the history. I'm not even going to I should. I should. Well, it's, it's just because it's you. Like, okay. I expect you to know. So, uh, but I, we don't have to roll out the facts. Just know, guys, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And people, like, drink along the way and party, right? Yeah. There are people, especially as you're in some of the later waves, there are people who are really just there. And I, and I say that non-judgmentally. That's usually where we are. We are usually going just for fun. We just walk. We have fun. People hand out beer, sometimes mimosas. Uh, there is a priest from the Catholic Church who gives out holy water. He will sprinkle you with holy water that is, I guess, supposed to, you know, bring you good luck and um, joy and all those things for the next year. Uh, so it's a huge tradition. A lot of families have done it for years and years and years. You will always see someone who this is their 
50th Peachtree Road Race or 40th Peachtree Road Race. There's a person that I saw a few years ago that has the bibs. So you have like your race number that you wear on the front of your shirt. They have all of their race numbers pinned together and hanging down their back like a cape. Mm. And it's like 30 of them or 40 of them. So here's my guess. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and, and make a prediction, if you will. <clears throat> You all don't know this, but Nikki, okay, so she says this thing where she's like, oh, I'm the most awkward small talker. <laughs> I am. $100 set $5. <laughs> I like that other bit better. Well, we got to pay for this podcast. $5 says that you come out with a best friend. Oh, yeah, I don't know about that. Ah, something, t- something tells me between an unintentional pub crawl slash run. You're going to find a friend. I would say if you up the ante to $100, then yes, I will. If Ah. it's just $5, my introvert will take over and I'll just run. I'm not trying to incentivize. (laughs) If if I win $100, I put it right back into the podcast. But then you'd have to take my word that I have a best friend. How about 20? 20 sounds fair. Honor system. You can't see it. We should probably be doing something to record that somehow. (laughs) All right. But... Okay. Let's see what happens. I trust you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So we'll see. I have to get up early tomorrow. I have to run. It's hot. It's humid. There are hills. It's Atlanta. But uh, that is literally all I have planned except editing this podcast. (laughs) 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 What do you have planned, Miss? You actually have a life. Oh, well, I don't know about that (laughs) because... When you're not doing something with a podcast, I'm doing something right. with it. But let, let's, we'll pretend. We'll suspend reality for a minute. Uh, I just go into the lake. Oh, that's nice. So um, I can't, like, I really can't be outside in the heat, but um, it's because I'm, I just can't, I don't like to be hot, get angry. That's all you got to say. It's yeah. fair. Yeah. So just basically that. And then I think I, I was already telling Nikki, but everybody else can know too. Why not? Uh, Casey, my husband, he doesn't usually get two days off in a row a lot. That sounds sad. But that does true. sound sad. Yeah. Um, but he works at a dealership and they like you to be there on the weekends mm. and he gets two days off. And so I'm, I feel really lucky to be able to see him for two days in a row. So, so you're going to fill that weekend up. Filling it up. I hope you do. Yeah. So... We are here for episode 15. That's what we're here for. We're well over the hump of the first season. We are. I mean, we're downhill from here. It's kind of sad when you say it that way. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) We have an aggressive recording schedule, so we're keeping with it. But it is kind of sad. We're closing in. Yeah, we're going to see by the end of this, I think we'll be uh, seven tenths caffeine. <laughs> uh, but let's just see how it goes. So, Nikki, with that, now that everybody knows what our weekend plans are, you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> Would you like to take us into episode 15, which is called And Justice for Paul? I will. Our Hulu episode description this week is. The women of Sugar Bakers are delighted to pick up some authentic antique furniture at bargain prices until they wind up in jail for buying stolen furniture. Oh, wow. It's wild, right? Sure. It's going to be a wild ride. (laughs) But you really said it with like... That's what I was going for. I really want to hold everybody in there with us. So this one was directed by Jack Shea. Um, The writer was LBT and Trish Frandenberg, who... I said it right the last time. Brandenburg. I said it right the last time. Um, but she has uh, 
she's written on this show before. It aired on February 15th, 1987. What a nice post-Valentine's Day treat to see the designing women in jail. I actually really do like that. I bet you there could have been some good promos. There probably wasn't, but... Could have been. Yeah. If we had been working there, there would have been. It was a real missed opportunity, (laughs) y'all. Selena, do you have any of those, like, show goofs or trivia to share with us this week? I do have a show goof, but I have to say that I wasn't able to spot it. So if anybody was able to spot this, uh, let us know. And the show goof this time around is to be on the lookout for the boom mic, which appears accidentally high on the wall in a few shots. I'm thinking that's probably in the jail. Oh, maybe. But I, I didn't see it. Oh. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not really that attentive. I have only ever, like off the cuff, noticed maybe two or three goofs ever in movies or on TV. Um, Gilmore Girls, I've definitely noticed the boom a few times. And um, in Christmas Vacation, when the dog and the cat are chasing each other around the house, I think it is, or there's a, squ- a dog and a squirrel, maybe. Oh, dog, a dog and a squirrel. squirrel yeah. um, there's just like a cut that clearly wasn't set properly. And so the cut isn't neat. And I noticed, I noticed that one on my own. No one had to tell me. And I noticed the Gilmore Girls one. Otherwise, I only ever know about these things if someone else tells me. Oh, you know, I understand that if, is this on Netflix where you're seeing the boom on mm-hmm. Gilmore Girls? Mm-hmm. So they shot it at some certain ratio. Oh. And so when they moved over to Netflix, it has to be a different ratio. Is that right? So it wasn't initially in the shots, like that aired on TV, mm-hmm. but in those, you can see it. Do you think that's possibly what's happening here, but the reverse? I don't know because this was on... Um, this was also on Internet Movie Database, mm. and I, I don't think that that had – I don't think they'd be plugging Netflix, nor is it on Netflix. You're right. So, but may, it could – you're saying it could it be a Hulu? Access? Yes. Maybe. I'm, I'm not really sure. So, that, somebody dig into it. We're not here to take it apart. We're just here to report the news, is what I like to say. Are we not here I don't know, to whatever. take it apart? Okay. Whatever. We're uh, just reporting facts right now. We've only discussed the episode description, the air date, and the director and writer. These are facts, Selena. And weekend plans. Those are facts, Selena. (laughs) Now we start to take it apart with Act 1. Getting into Act 1, this opening scene really sets up a few, I feel like it set up a few major plot lines for us. Um, So we learn that Charlene has a friend named Paul. We learn that the business's money troubles continue. Yes. Well, they turned down $150,000 last episode. Oh, right, right, right. Good call. Uh, but we haven't, ta- we haven't really talked about that in a while. So their troubles are continuing. Um, they've lost another really important account. Um, and then we find out kind of later in the scene that Charlene's friend Paul may be good for the business, though, because he can get them antique furniture for cheap. Right. So is there anything like big picture that I missed? No, big picture, I, I there are think a lot I, of yeah, lots of little things, but that's the gist of the first act, yeah. Yeah, so when they open, Charlene's on the phone with Paul. We learn his name's Paul, and they're just chit-chatting and flirting. Mm-hmm. Anything there you want to say? Uh, I mean, it, they called her man-crazy some episodes back, mm. and I, I mean, whatever. If you want to flirt, flirt, flirt it up. Yeah. I, I just feel like they've got her bouncing around a lot i've got thoughts about the fact that she says they're just friends and then i feel like later in the episode there's like an open mouth kiss and i'm like (laughs) that's a weird way to treat your friends (laughs) so 
Same, same. Yeah. Uh, That's my thought. Don't open mouth kiss your friends. Well, I mean, you can, but it's not standard. But also their flirting is about uh, opera, which I thought was weird and a little bit uppity. Ooh. I don't know. Anywho. What was a trite opera? Does that matter? Oh, is it? I don't know anything about opera. We'll get there. Okay. So Julia comes in and shares that the business isn't profitable. And Charlene gives her a business lesson. Sort of like you have to have money coming in. More money coming in than you have going out, which I thought was really funny. That's true. Yeah. And it comes sort of at the same time, incidentally, Mary Jo comes in and says they've lost some more business. Mrs. Wagner. She's gone. She's gone. Do you want to talk about why she's gone? Well... Yes, and but it's a missing lines alert. Did you check the script? Huge missing lines alerts. Yeah. Um. So it the if you look at the script, we've been talking throughout this podcast about how we go back and look at scripts now because we're on the alert that something's not right. Uh, they had she and Mary Joe had just kind of an ugly conversation. It sounds like it's mm-hmm. we get a little more fat shaming. Yeah, she tells, Mary Jo has told Mrs. Wagner that she was too big for the chairs that she wanted. I think what really frustrated me about what I found in the scripts was that she made it sound like she felt like it was her moral obligation to tell this woman that fancy chairs that she was getting were too small for her. Mm -hmm. And like it would cause some sort of calamitous fall. Mm-hmm. And she just couldn't live with herself. And I'm like, is that really it? Right. Okay. Yeah. They didn't love it. And they wanted to know, I think the other part that we get here that's cut out, that you didn't really need it, but Charlene and uh, Julia sort of allude to, like, couldn't you have just told a little white lie? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I will say uh, the only reason I realized that there was a missing piece here was because later in the episode, they talk about Weight Watchers. And I was like, what an odd thing to say to this woman. And we can get there when we get to that part of the episode. But I was like, something's weird here. And then it got me thinking, I don't think we ever really talked about what happened and why the business fell apart. So that's what sent me to the script in the first place. And just to note, uh, we were having some audio troubles in our last recording, so, but I, I don't know if we actually wound up sharing this. I know you and I had talked about it, but just want to reiterate in case we didn't say it in the last podcast, this is not the first time that we found like some fat shaming comments Right, what they removed. Right. So actually, I got thinking that we talk so much about these scripts and we have all of these. We sit here and hypothesize of all the reasons Hulu might have cut it. So I decided today, like, why don't I just look into this and find out what's going on? Long story short, there is no clear answer. It sounds like there were some cuts that have been made between the original run and syndication in order to make space for more commercial breaks. That's thing one. Lovely. Thing two is it's possible Hulu is making cuts. And I will tell you when I Googled is Hulu cutting episodes or something like that, oddly, this show comes up multiple times because people, I guess, are maybe so familiar with this show that they absolutely know something's not right. And they're noticing that there are cuts. Um, So it is not clear if Hulu is cutting these things because, yeah, to to the point we talked about previously, is it because these things are questionable and kind of jacked up? And if they're not important to the plot, do you just go ahead and cut it and save yourself the the pain and like like just being mean for no reason? Or were they originally cut for syndication and Hulu's just playing them? Oh, interesting. So I don't know the answer. It's somewhere between those two. 
Sweet Tea and TV, not brought to you by Hulu. <laughs> I'm not bad-mouthing Hulu. It's just facts. Again, just facts. Just the facts. Uh, so in the meantime, I do, we've talked about Mary Jo a little bit. Can we talk about her doily dress? If she's going to make fun of this woman for being overweight, can we talk about her doily dress? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Let's talk Did you about notice it? it? It's like denim with like a lace overlay you didn't notice. Here's why I didn't. Because of Suzanne's outfit. Oh, uh, because of Suzanne's Roger de Berrettes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to skip over the doily. Though. That's it. It's She's a doily. a doily again. She's wearing a doily. She loves a doily. She does. With the cameo brooch on top. Good Lord, does she. Wow. But you're right. Suzanne comes in and highlighter pink. She, uh, yeah, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned the designer. Did you look that designer up? Uh, I read the script, and I, uh, you know what? I might have. I might have. They don't exist. They don't exist. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's fake. I actually kind of thought that her outfit looked like Bob Mackie. Oh. Do you remember the Bob Mackie Barbie sure. dolls? Oh, no. Well, there he had like a whole line. I guess it was like some kind of collaboration between the, you know, between mm-hmm. Barbie and like his design house or whatever. And uh, there was just something about the cut of it. It just looked very, I know that they go on to make fun of it. But, and it's not something I would necessarily, it's not my style, but it did to me look very couture. I thought it was ill-placed. It's not a daytime dress, but I liked it. I liked the collar. Agree. And I don't think, I didn't think, I don't think Mackie was known for his daytime attire. Sure. Right. So, but it's Suzanne. Yeah. She's, that's what she does. But that's what struck me about her outfit. Yeah. So she comes in and she, uh, Julia is a little passive aggressive to her about her look um, and I don't think the women were terribly impressed with her outfit, but her big news is that she's gotten them more work. So as they're losing Mrs. Wagner, they're getting Bo Bastwick. Even Steven. Was she wearing Ish. that on the golf course? That wasn't clear. Okay. Unclear. Cause that's where she meets. Right. Dude. They golf together. And the problem though, Selena, what is the worst thing in the world that a man can be? Cheap. Yes, and Bo Mastwick is cheap. So she's sending Mary Jo out to deal with him and his wife. That's the second worst problem. Right, right. <laughs> Not I actually the thought, first. I thought she was going to say that was the first worst problem, but you're right. As you're saying that, I'm realizing, yeah, I can see Suzanne's mind on that. Not the first problem. Uh, so they send Mary Jo out to go deal with the Mastwicks. Mm-hmm. Mary Jo comes back, and it's going to be a real struggle. Yeah. He's cheap. He's only willing to put up $12,000 to decorate a home. I don't know about you. Even in today dollars, $12,000 to decorate a home feels like a lot of money. Did you see what it was? Did you look? What it is today? No, I didn't. 30. That is so much money. Yeah. So, A, when someone asked me to spend $5, I'm right. like, oh, five? <laughs> um, and, and we've done remodeling at the house in the last couple of years and every time I'm just floored. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, but th- we're just talking about basically what is the makeup, the face makeup of a house. So to think about that being 30 grand, it's kind of crazy, but it does sound like uh, the wife has really highfalutin taste. Mm-hmm. Like she wants all the nicest antiques yep. and, I know I've been in some antique stores where I'm like, oh, I can't afford this paperweight. It's $5,000. I'm not sure why. Right. So uh, while I totally agree with you, I can see how, like, 
Mary Jo feels like she's in a tough spot. If oh sure to decorate three rooms all with like the nicest antique furniture. Sure, yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I do not mean to demean the work of interior decorators and designers. I know what they do is important. How <laughs> dare you? It's important work. It's just to have that amount of disposable income is wild to me. Right, like it's just laying around. Exactly. We'll just, pull it, we'll just pick up this 12.5. So again, it's this like class issue I think we deal with throughout this entire show. And right. that just struck me. Um, so, but here's where we get into the real plot line. So they got themselves in a pickle with the Masterix. They can't handle this, you know, d- this antique, highfalutin sort of approach to interior design on twelve measly $12,000. So Charlene reveals that Paul deals with antique sales i want to say secondhand antiques but they're all secondhand they're uh estate sales estate sales Mm -hmm. and so he can save them a lot of money and the women are obviously a little questionable they're all sort of like really this guy well everybody but charlene well sure charlene but i think charlene's on to herself because she believes after watching phil donahue that a tiger can change its spots she knows she's had a problem with men she Mm -hmm. understands Mm -hmm. but she thinks this one's different so she hasn't really learned a thing. Whatever. Okay. Uh, so we cut, and the women are waiting on Paul. I'm going to stop here and say, they're all dressed. They're all made up. They've all got their hair done. It's 10 o'clock at night. That's the part that bothered me. Do you see us right now? I know. It's afternoon, and we are not dressed. <laughs> we do not have makeup on. No. The 80s were a different time, my friends. That just seems like a walking nightmare to me, so I just need to stop there. Yeah. Uh we get Anthony. Anthony's back with us, and he has got some friends who are going to help them load and unload all of these things because they're going to Paul's warehouse to see see the goods, see the goods and buy some things. Mm-hmm. So Anthony's got some friends. Fortunately, his friends are very experienced with loading and unloading quickly. Yes. <laughs> they're very committed to good customer service, and it sounds like they're very committed to not getting caught by the police. Well, and then they're used to working nights. So that's right. good. They don't charge double. Yeah, that's why they don't charge uh, time and a half. Yeah. So just, I mean, they were just checking all the boxes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. They're also former prisoners, which, you know, whatever. Anthony is too. He is a former unjustly accused. And look at the man that he's become. That's right. So Julia, you can just stop judging right now. Love of my TV life. So this is where we get the next big thing. Paul comes in. He and Charlene lip kiss. You caught on to it. I caught on to it. She says they're just friends. What's with the lip kiss? Mm-hmm. That seems very familiar. I, I don't know about you. This is in my notes. But I rarely greet my good friends with an intimate mouth kiss. If ever. <laughs> no, not for me. Not for me. So. It, you know me, I don't even hug. We know their relationship is different than she's portrayed it to be. But right. he's going to take him to his friend's warehouse. Yeah, I wanted to throw in here that, to me, this feels like Shadow Part 2. Oh. Yeah, there's something like, he comes in and he relays that Charlene just thinks the world of all of you ladies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, it just felt like, it's happened to, didn't we just see this he's, in the New Year's episode? He's mysterious and yeah. charismatic. Yep. So he's going to take him to his friend's warehouse, and uh, the last thing I have is just that Julia says she'll eat her shoe if the merchandise is any good. Yeah, it's very fair to say that she has been incredibly skeptical this entire time. Right. And we'll see. Should she be? I don't know. 
So, Nikki, mm-hmm. here's the thing. Julia may have to eat that shoe. Ooh. Yeah. Because it's a miracle. There are really nice things in this warehouse and at unbelievable prices. <laughs> if it's too hard to believe, it's probably too hard to believe. No. You guys have 12.5? You're not going to believe this. 12.4. <laughs> you know what? Because you're Charlene's friends. I love you. You're beautiful people. Whatever other lines he says. But but they, they do go in. They're really excited. I mean, you can't really tell. Obviously, we know from the description that things are about to go south. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we, it could be okay, you know? Yeah, I mean, there are no red flags here at all. Like, they're not there in the middle of the night. This guy's not flying in and out all the time. He doesn't offer these things at an amazingly low rate. Don't like, tell me truths. There's nothing here that should have sent any sort of red flag for them. Don't poo-poo on my good time. Sorry. Uh, but, I mean, there was stuff there. There was stuff there. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's, right I'm right. like, this is legit. There are legitimately items in the warehouse. And good stuff. Yeah. I mean, he could have been kidnapping him or something. I don't know why. I don't but know, man. It could have happened. Don't go into a closed room with a person you don't know is all I'm saying. <laughs> with vases where he could hide your body. Sound advice. Mm. So I think basically the cops bust through the doors. Like as soon as money exchanges hands, I honestly couldn't remember if he's in the door or out. He I was going to say close by. I I was going to say not while he's in the room because they have to catch him later in Chicago. That's right. Okay. Keep yes. Me so on track. it's not as soon as the money exchanges hands. He has plenty of time to leave. But in true sitcom fashion, it is a total of four seconds later. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so next thing we know, we're in the jail, Mm, 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 mm. you know, we're in the city jail, Atlanta, getting our best views. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that the ladies have found themselves in their own unfortunate incarceration. (laughs) They are there. They know Anthony's plate now. Yeah. And I think there's not, there's not a ton that goes on here. So mm-hmm. I thought more what we could do is, what is it with the middle of the shows on these episodes? <laughs> I feel like I said the same thing in the last episode. I'm like, you all might not remember, but I know Nikki does because we recorded that one yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember it though. That's the challenge of 2021 post pandemic brain. Oh, there is that fact. So, um, but what we do get, I thought, is like kind of this reaction from everyone. It brings out maybe the, it heightens everyone's base personality. Oh, maybe. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just be, and, and to be clear, they're they're not technically in jail. I, they're just in a holding cell. It's fine. Oh. I like this look that Nikki's getting I, right My now. look is, you know, all the distinctions between holding cells and actual jail. We live in the world of law and order, Nikki. Oh, right, right, <laughs> There's right, right. like 12 of them. So it's funny you say that because I really didn't think very much about that, but I did notice Suzanne still had her earrings on and her overcoat and she put something in her brassiere and I thought, this ain't real jail. In all fairness, I'm not sure they would have let her keep those things. Even in a holding cell. I, I don't know. That I could be a shiv. So. I don't think so. Yeah. But I... I, I'm not entirely sure on that. I'll have to check my law and order reference. I'll get back to you. Um, but so that that's where they all are, except for, except for Julia. Mm. This really brings out, let's not use the P word because people get upset. Let's use advantages. Okay, not penis. No, it's like what P word? <laughs> Privilege. 
oh, that one. But it bandages. So the whole time she knows that they're probably doing something that's illegal. Then she gets caught for doing something illegal. Now she's angry about it. She's incensed. How dare they arrest me for doing something illegal? Right. So they take her around the corner. She's arguing with the officer. Um, and she's letting him have it the whole way back there. Mm-hmm. Just, she's going to sick Reese on him. If you all don't remember, Reese is her, um, boyfriend that is also the lawyer. And she's going to end this woman's career, essentially. Right. And the, so the guard, you know, she's annoyed. And she mm-hmm. basically threatens threatens her with a body search, which I'm a full body search, which I'm like that feels like not a good time for you either. But what do I know about a person's good time? Uh, so, anyways, Julia says, uh, "Listen very carefully. If any person dares to violate one orifice on this body, she will be eating her teeth for breakfast." I do indeed appear to be the picture of Southern gentility, but when I get riled, I make Rambo look like little Mary Sunshine. Why'd you have to use the word orifice? Well, that's, I think, what a full body search contains at least one orifice. She could have just said violates me. Orifice was just such an anatomically correct word to use. Well, LBT's real smart. Anybody who sticks anything in my holes, <laughs> you're going to be in trouble. But that had been better for that you. That would have been better. I don't know if I like either one of these <laughs> options. At the same time, like, while I'm kind of annoyed with Julia, just because, like, you kind of know you were wrapped up in something that may have not been a good decision because you were skeptical the whole way, the other part of me is, like, good for you for standing up for yourself. Well, not a criminologist and not an expert on law and order. So I preface this next statement with that. I think Julia's frustration is they were an accessory. They didn't, quote unquote, knowingly do something wrong. They were not willingly involved in a criminal activity. And so she's frustrated that no one will hear their side of the story before throwing them into jail. And if you're a person, I imagine, who's not used to going to jail, holding cell or not, it feels like jail. In all fairness, because I like to throw out an argument and then walk it back. Um, It could also be that she thought it was not going to, there wasn't going to really be anything good in the warehouse. It doesn't mean that she knew that he was like a total thief and that they had gotten caught up in some sort of like major scheme. Don't walk that back. I think she knew that part. I think she knew that part. Okay. I think 10 o'clock at night. It's yeah. a random guy who can get him a really good deal on good antiques. She knew. Yeah. She knew. But I think she's just frustrated because they they didn't know, quote unquote, for sure. And she just wanted someone to hear her side of the story before they put her in jail. Reasonable doubt. Right. Oh. Sure. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about everybody else then. We have Suzanne. She's uh, really thinking about herself. So in such a shocking turn of events, she's really worried about her mascara. She used her one phone call to call to cancel her hair appointment. It, you know what else is funny about like if they're going to pull lines they're they didn't decide to pull from like maybe we don't need to have her commentary about the ridiculousness of expensive mascara. Mm. Like that's not the line. They oh, I see what you're saying for for like cutting purposes. Yes. yes. Uh huh. All that said, tip don't ever spend most of your money on expensive mascara mm, mm-hmm. over the counter will do it guys 
there are really solid mascara options over the counter. That's just a little tipsy tips for me to you. Okay. Thanks for that. As much as I didn't think it was important. <laughs> I'm going to stop this podcast to tell you, you can get some really good mascara through L'Oreal. Uh, Maybelline for me. Well, L'Oreal is like Lancome. They're just the Old Navy to the Gap to the Banana Republic. You see I what didn't I know that. Uh, see? This is a whole different podcast. So it is. Well, we'll teach that later. You wouldn't know it these days. <laughs> but I used to know a thing or two about makeup. Anyways, so she's going on about her looks. And then we also get, like, everybody got a call, right? They got their one call. That's also some law and order information for you there. And she used hers to cancel her hair appointment. It seems fair to me. You don't want to leave your hairstylist waiting. That's just rude. Oh, that's very thoughtful of you. The only problem is it means that they didn't, no one called Reese that we know of yet. Yeah, whatever, man. Um, Julia used her call to stop the check that she wrote Paul. So, like, really, their problems are kind of solved. I'm, but, but, but it's like 11 o'clock at night. That check can't be cashed until banks open the next day. Mm. Couldn't she have just waited a couple more hours and used her call to call Reese? That probably would have been smarter. Mm -hmm. Jules. Just not really thinking with her lady brain. Uh, <laughs> so then uh, then we have Charlene. I think this is the thing like where I was talking about everybody sort of going into their baser instincts. Because mm -hmm. I think her baser instinct is just to kind of like dig in. Mm -hmm. That he's obviously not really involved. Mm -hmm. He's framed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she used those words, but essentially, like, you know, that's what she's saying. She, he's the victim of circumstantial evidence. She knows because she's the only one there who's been in jail before. Which was shocking. It was, uh, but it was also for something that somebody else did. Hers right. was really where she was. It was uh, circumstantial. It was a friend of hers that she befriended who didn't have a lot of money. People in their high school were being really mean to her. And so she went out somewhere shopping or something with them. But it turns out this girl had stolen 600 mood rings or something. $600 worth of mood rings. $600, okay. That's a lot of mood rings. That's, yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyway, so it landed them both. Probably in another holding cell, I'm guessing. Um, jail is jail is jail. Or mall jail. I don't know. But whatever it was, we get that kind of uh, random story from Charlene. But it also says why she feels the way she does to mm -hmm. some extent. Although I kind of want to be like, Charlene, just kind of like wake up a little bit. She was right about Shadow. I still argue he was a really bad agent. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's my argue. argue Neither here nor there. She does use her call, her one call, to call Anthony, mm -hmm. who is then supposed to call Reese. Right. So a little snowball effect there. Um, and and so uh, the one person we haven't talked about is Mary Jo. I think she just wants to know what to tell her kids. Mm -hmm. And so she's made up some story. Right. All right. Uh, the guard does announce that their lawyer is there. That's very exciting. It is very exciting. And then around the corner, Anthony. Huh. Not Reese. Person. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. But they leave him along, like, with the women. And the, what we find out is that he couldn't get a hold of him. The police mistook him as their lawyer. Mm -hmm. And he was very dressed up. 
He was. <laughs> he was. So, because he's usually kind of casual. Especially when he came to pick up the um, truck so that he and his friends could come help them move. He was in a vest and like a plaid shirt. So he had to go change. Into a three-piece suit. Right. <laughs> so don't ask questions, guys. <laughs> Just buckle in and enjoy the ride. We're asking all the questions. It's the 80s. And we just have fun. <laughs> so um, he does say he's sorry that him and the other guys left. It just, you know, it was involuntary reaction. Yeah, man, I get it. Um, I get it. Know, th- but he is working on a plan to get him out. But then the guard comes back around the corner and uh, there's an issue because there's another Reese Watson downstairs. It's not really an issue. <laughs> it's not. And here's why. Because Anthony lets her know. Oh, oh, that must be my dad. <laughs> that must be my father. And he says, I'm a, I'm a junior. <laughs> now, these are his words. <laughs> that his mom was of a, a, a darker persuasion. And that's the new li- liberal South for you. <laughs> his voice was so funny right then. He does such great impressions. He was really, that was great. Because it is him impressing, like doing an impression basically of like a Reese. And by a Reese, I mean an old white guy. Yeah. Okay. And he does a fantastic job is all I'm saying. Good. Yeah. So Reese, we don't, all this happens off screen, but what we do know is that he posts their bell. They're free to go. Um, and uh, we do get a few tidbits on the way out. So I guess this is still on screen. Ignore me. Um, but Paul is in jail in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, so they caught him rather quickly and got him to Chicago rather quickly. But it could I don't believe that for a second. Or I, he got to Chicago rather quickly, and that's where they caught him. Either way, none of these things are happening in this amount of time. Yeah, maybe. There's a couple of time Anthony things. had time to go home and change clothes. No, th- th- that makes more sense to me than either he got caught really quickly. Do you know how long it would have taken them to process him through Atlanta and then up to Chicago? Uh, forever. And even if he was on the way back up to Chicago, he would not have made it up to Chicago by right. then. Unless he was in a private plane or something. Who's Could to be. say? That's true. I mean, he might be floating in the money. Uh, the other big piece that we get here is that Charlene figures out, because the, the, the cop or the guard on duty tells her he's got a rap sheet longer than the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And so now she's she it finally... Actually, it doesn't really settle in, but we'll get to that. Yeah. And then as they're walking out, there are a few ladies of the night who are coming in. And one is wearing something special. <laughs> what are they wearing, Nikki? She's in highlighter pink. She's wearing a Roger de Barrettes. And Suzanne's jaw hits the floor. And with that, we're out that scene. And the last scene really revolves around trying to do something about Paul. Julia, I guess, has um, decided that she wants to testify against him in court, and the other women don't want to. Um, they have been getting threats. They've been taking threatening phone calls. Um, but Charlene went to visit Paul in jail, and he says that the, all these threats are just coming from a practical joker friend. In Chicago. Oh, I see. The business is struggling, and she just happens to like whip up there for a trip to Chicago. I mean, I guess maybe they extradited him. Thank you, Law and Order. (laughs) (laughs) We're really putting all our knowledge to use today. (laughs) Um, So Charlene says she can't testify against a friend. Mary Jo says these threats are just too much. 
uh, Suzanne says no. And I don't really remember now why Suzanne said no. Did she have a good reason? Not really. Okay. I feel like she just always globs on to whatever's nearby. <laughs> yeah. So they, ju- they just say no. And Julia says, well, you know, my mor- moral compass is pointing me in the direction of testifying. So I'm going to. So then we skip to, I guess, testification day. <laughs> testifying day. I kind of like testification. <laughs> we skip to that. Julia's in Sugar Bakers by herself um, because no one else wants to testify. She's on the phone with Mrs. Wagner, and this is where I call back to looking at the script because she mentions Weight Watchers, and I was like, well, that's an oddly specific thing to mention. Right. And that's how we found out that um, there, were some, there was some fat shaming early in the episode. But it turns out Mrs. Wagner wants to work with them again. Whatever Mary Jo said to her has inspired her to join Weight Watchers and do something different. I don't know what to say. Um, and then all the women start to show up. But that's their money problem solved. Well, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, p- everything else out of the, like, just posh with your <laughs> Weight Watchers joke in there in the end. But, <laughs> but I mean, we do, like, because we've done a lot of this. They lost. They, did, they keep trying. Mm. They keep doing all these things. But mm-hmm. something is coming together for them actually here. Yeah. So. At least that. Uh, Suzanne shows up. She's decided she's going to testify. Um, Mary Jo scrambles in. She's going to testify. And then finally, Charlene shows up. Um, and she says she's going to testify. And it's not even because of the phone call she got from Paul's lawyer. <laughs> Everybody's like, what's he calling you about? And so he basically offered to not name them as accomplices if they didn't testify against him. And Charlene said she called the DA and said... I'm testifying. They can take this offer and do with it what they will. So she decides she's going to testify, and the women head off for court. I like what she said, though. She said, you can always find men, but good friends, them you don't let down. Together we stand. I thought that was kind of nice. Oh, we haven't heard that before? I thought that was maybe like in the New Year's episode or any of the other, any other, the breast cancer episode. It's in every episode, but they they haven't said over men. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I do think that's a big thing for the 80s mm. um, because I don't always know that on television, I think it was always like relationships were like the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean like a relationship, like a love interest. Right. And so I think to talk about friendship in this way mm-hmm. that like supersedes a potential relationship with a man, it's uh, like what did you say that one time uh, that designing women walked so that Gilmore girls could run with mm-hmm. the references? Mm-hmm. I think designing wa- women walked here so that sex in the city could run one day. Look at you, Pollyanna. <laughs> Look at you. I'm a very positive person. Um, and because it reminded me of an episode where of sex in the city where Charlotte suggests that her and the other women on that show could be each other's soulmates and guys could just come and go. They could be this fun thing in their lives. And that was really remarkable for those times, too. Mm. So I just thought I would share that. That was one line. And I do actually think I know why Suzanne bowed out. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I forgot this one thing happened, which was uh, they had that detective come by. Mm-hmm. I think he got them all really scared. Oh. And I, I wrote down this line. He said... <laughs> He's so proud of them for testifying with no regard for their personal safety. (laughs) But no need to worry. They haven't had a witness problem in years. I have underneath there, 
what capital W H A T dot period. Some people call it a ridiculous line. Mm -hmm. It's just so stupid. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know what they're like. They needed something to get the women scared, to break them apart for four seconds, to bring them back together right. again. Yeah. But that was just really silly to me. So, uh, but I think that is actually what scared okay. Suzanne. That might be right. And that's yeah. it. That's, it. That's all I got, man. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed it. <laughs> but we got some things. We got things. We got uh, our rating. We've got our references. And we've got a cool extra sugar this week. No? You're giving oh, me the face like you've dropped everything. I thought we were just leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. Bye. Uh, yeah. Let's do all the things. All right. So you want to rate this sucker? I do. <laughs> Which, by the way, Casey said to me. He was listening back to one of the episodes, and he said, what did you say there? Mm -hmm. And I was like, rate this sucker. <laughs> so if any of you haven't been able to understand me, that's Southern for, again, rate this sucker. So, Selena, shall we rate this episode? <laughs> Let us do that today. That was my Anthony to your Selena. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, what's your rating scale? I don't have a good one. Fake designer name drops. Oh, okay. It was a tough episode for one, though, I thought. It was. It yeah. was. Why don't you go first? Okay. Are you going to give me your rating scale, though? I don't have one. Oh, you don't have one at That's all? That's why I was taking yours. Oh, okay. I I wasn't in love with this episode. Hmm. I gave it a two and a half out of three fake designer name drops. Two and a half out of three? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Just cut that in post, Nikki. I'm out of five. You guys, I can't count. <laughs> Maths isn't my strong suit. As y'all have learned over this time, it's words, really. It's where I do my best work. So here's why. <laughs> I'm over here rubbing my eyes over my lack of math skills. So I did think there were some enjoyable moments, but on the whole, I just thought this was an average episode. That's it. Uh, my favorite parts were Anthony. Uh, both in describing the extra drivers that he hired and because I just thought that was clever mm. and the case of mistaken identity at the jail with him. That was really funny. Uh, otherwise, yeah. And yeah. I like that they were all there for each other at the end. But to your point, that's become trite. We've done that before. Mm. So how many times we're going to come together? Gosh, ladies. <laughs> how many times do we have to like each other? Blah, blah, blah. Your <laughs> friends and family. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Over it. I'm going to go three. Three out of five. Three of the designer, fake designer name drops. I'm going to go, it's fine. That's it. That's fine. I was thinking about this this morning, actually, and thinking, I feel really bad because I find myself lately, I feel like I'm constantly saying, it was a fine episode. It was fine. I want to be super clear that I'm enjoying this show. We just have to watch these episodes so many times, and we are 14 episodes, 15 episodes in, and there have been some that are really bright, shining moments, so it's kind of getting a little hard to impress me, maybe, is it? I, I think it's that, and I just think it's hard to come back from episode 10 with all the snacks that we had. Oh, that's, yeah. It's really missing. Doggone it. So. You did bring coffee today. I brought one Slim Jim, if you want to split it. <laughs> I'll pass. Thanks. Wait, you want the whole slim <laughs> So yeah, it was a fine episode. Meh. Yeah. It'll do. I've already previewed episode 16, and I fear my rating will be similar. Oh, boy. It's really, really hard to write 
and my husband and I were incidentally talking about this this morning, week after week to write really witty, funny things that all hold together. <laughs> right. Because I've been watching Modern Family, and I am so impressed with how routinely funny that show is. It's all silliness. There's you, You're not expecting anything more than silliness. So they yeah. do the silliness really well. Yeah. And they just, it's very creative the way, you know, I just watched an episode about lice, which sounds like the most ridiculous, like, why are you watching TV about lice? But the way they do it so taps into what it's like to be a parent and hear that your kid might have lice. And it's just amazing to me how they do that week after week. That's what comedy is. Yeah. I see in you something that we can relate on. And then I take that one look and it could be anything. And it's usually like really these very simple things that you can't believe I could possibly have this in common with another human being. So I will tell you that my friend sent me a, this is not us talking about the other, we'll get there. Uh, my friend sent me a, a TikTok this week and it was somebody at the computer screen uh, watching the HBO thing come up where it's like, oh, mm -hmm. and then it was like, what always follows this? And I went, because oh. it's sex in the city. And mm -hmm. then it flipped over and they were dancing and going, -na 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 -na. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's that thing where you just know, you know, you know, because you know, right. And that's good comedy. Yeah. Um, but even modern family has, has like a, a formula that works for them. Mm -hmm. And it's not much different than this one right here, mm. which is basically shenanigans. And then at the end, a wholesome message. Oh my gosh. I cry at the end of modern family routinely. We've established I'm a crier anyway, but routinely like the, the touching message at the end gets me. Yeah. And it's based in silliness. Like silly things will be happening on screen while they're saying it. It's stronger. So yeah. I think, I think over time, you know, well, it's also probably more relatable because the thing, like the plot lines are going to be more relatable today. Right. Yada, I think that's yada, a good yada, point. All of those kinds of things, but there is some formula there. So anywho, uh, <laughs> <laughs> shut up. <laughs> no, no, we've, we've, but we digress. Yes. References. Yeah. You want to start with eighties? Sure. I sliced out the combination references Thank because you, you told me that that didn't make any sense. And you know what? I hear you, Nikki Mays. Thank I hear you. you. So we're going to start with the 80s. I like being heard. Uh, Phil Donahue. Yeah. Tanning bed in the ladies' lounge. Oh, I missed that one. Okay. People still go to the tanning bed. It's fine. But it was very 80s to go to the tanning bed and very southern 80s to go to the tanning bed. I have a friend that lives in South Georgia. We went to her town in college. They had a combination video store tanning bed. And in the back is where they kept the tanning beds. Mm -hmm. Hot. Uh, another Rambo reference. Yeah. Jay Leno. Mm -hmm. And Weight Watchers. They're now WW. All right. I think we're going to do a pretty good job here because we don't actually have a lot of overlap. Some. Mm -hmm. They reference the books in the beginning. As in like where they keep track of all the money. Oh, uh-huh. The books are actually, there was a book, mm -hmm. and it wasn't on the computer. Right. So that felt very 80s. Mm -hmm. We got the checks. Like oh, right. Handwritten checks. Uh, and then so there was a joke made about dropping oil prices, and because that's who all that stuff was from. It was giving this uh, the chic money problems, mm -hmm. and that's where all of those wares were coming okay. from. So that was actually, I think, something that was going on in the 80s. Uh, a body wave. Oh, uh -huh. um, which is what Suzanne was supposed to be getting and had to cancel. 
Um, I actually found an article. I'll share it. You can get a body wave today, guys. And I'm going to tell you, it looks pretty good. Is a body wave the same or different than a perm? It's like a looser curl. Oh. And But it lasts like a year. I'm into this. It's like beach waves. I'm into this. It was beautiful. Oh, interesting. Beautiful. Well, you'll get to see. Oh, okay. <laughs> you'll get to see. <laughs> and then um, also an answering machine because they were like leaving Reese messages. Oh, right. So... I understand. I'm sure some at some point somebody's going to go, these things existed past the 80s. And that's very true. But what we're trying to say is they also really symbolize things that make us think about the 80s. Mm-hmm. So, Southern things. I had antebellum money. Yeah. <laughs> I also have yikes in parentheses <laughs> next to that. Also Auntie Charlene. And Julia made a passive aggressive compliment about Suzanne's new dress. This one was so good. I thought of it twice. So I took my notes earlier in the week when I was watching this episode and came back to them to kind of like freshen things up. And I was like, oh my gosh, passive aggressive comment from Julia. That has to go in Southern references. And it was already there. (laughs) So good. I thought of it twice. Womp womp. (laughs) That's okay. A lot of these references are happening more than one time. Right. And we're catching them on multiple occasions. So you know what we call that? Writing week after week. (laughs) I have bequeathed. Mm. It's... It's not like it was invented in the South. It just sounds Southern. There's some of these, you can't you just, ah, uh, bequeathed. I don't know. It just <laughs> sounds Southern. Um, uh, so Julia, you, she says she may look the picture of Southern gentility. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's pretty on the nose, but mm-hmm. you get it. Uh, getting riled. Mm-hmm. That felt pretty Southern. Beauty parlor. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think that sounds kind of 80s too. Yeah. No combination. Yeah, I was going to say, do you want to combine those? <laughs> <laughs> no combinations. Um, and then Anthony refers to the new liberal South. I quoted him earlier about that. Uh, it's in a tongue in cheek way when he does it, but the new South was a real thing. And this was something that reformers called for like a modernization of society and attitudes to like integrate more fully with the U S and to reject the, um, economy and traditions of the old South and the slavery-based plantation system of the antebellum period. Period. So, okay, just turned into Colonel Sanders. I was just thinking Colonel Sanders. Good. That that was my impression. Um, And there's also an Atlanta connection here, which felt worth saying. Um, So the term, the New South, was actually coined by its leading spokesman and Atlanta editor, Henry W. Grady, in 1874. Mm. So just a lot of Atlanta things there. Mm. Uh, We have a lot of things named after this person in Atlanta for those who have not visited and don't realize this, but we have a hospital named after that. Uh, Not after that, but him. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that guy. Um, We also have uh, a high school named after him and several other things. Mm -hmm. A beautiful high school. I digress. So, references you had to look up. Anything? I had Madame Butterfly. Mm-hmm. That was an opera from the early 1900s. Sad. 1974 long gas lines. Uh, I didn't take any notes on it. I just looked it up. There I, were long gas lines. I just gas rationing. Mine's also in that order. Oh. <laughs> and it says gas lines in the 70s. It was a thing. It was. <laughs> I mean, gas was high. It, it like and there was like running out. There was, was an a, there was an embargo with Saudi Arabia. That's right, and that led to some issues in the Carter administration. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so we hey we know things. We know stuff. We and know stuff. You know stuff. what that proves? You young whippersnappers. <laughs> 
We weren't alive in the 70s, <laughs> but we can know things about it. So oh, we encourage God. you to learn things about the 80s, like designing women. <laughs> oh, God. We've gotten to that point in our lives. Uh, I looked up Heppel white chairs with a shield back design, which is what uh, Mary Jo points out when they're in the warehouse. Yeah. Did you? Why are you laughing? Because did you have to look it up? Yeah. At the script? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so long story short, this was a person who made cabinets in the 18th century, uh, and they ended up making furniture like in the style design or something. These are very important antiques is the bottom line. It was a very specific reference. Uh, when the ladies are in jail, this was my favorite one. There's a picture on the wall behind Suzanne of a man looking over a wall. Mm -hmm. Have you ever made that drawing yourself? Made that drawing? Yeah. Like in an art class or something? No, just like in your notes or doodles or whatever. I don't Never in your life. So. No, but this sounds like something that we may need to drop into social media so we can share it. Yes, with I will draw one. This and is, with me. I'm with a me. terrible artist, so I can't draw anything. But this is really easy to draw. And it's like, it looks like a wall. And there's a man with a very long nose hanging over it. Anyway, I looked that up. Like where the sidewalk ends? I don't know. For some reason, it sounds like very, like a Shell Silverstein no. drawing. And now... <laughs> well, we're really taking this off topic. <laughs> anyway, I saw it over Suzanne, Suzanne's shoulder, and I uh -huh. thought, oh my gosh, I used to draw that. Why did I used to draw that? It is a wartime image that was initially drawn during World War II, I think it was, by soldiers. It does not really matter the point behind it and but it, but it became ubiquitous and it's so ubiquitous in fact that it showed up on the wall of this fake jail in designing women and i saw it i wanted to know the backstory and so i looked it up but i won't bore everybody else with it except to say if you also drew the person looking over the wall there is a story to it and you just search man peeking over wall drawing that social media post belongs to you because you're going to have to explain that now okay now we'll you've done it we'll do and then the last uh reference i had was uh, she called Julia called Reese the Clarence Darrow of the South. That name is familiar, but I had to look it up again. Um, so it this uh, this was a lawyer in the early 1900s was who was involved in the Scopes Monkey Trial, um, basically where uh, there was a teacher that was accused of violating Tennessee's Butler Act, which had made it unlawful to teach human evolution in a state-funded school. So Clarence Darrow was the lawyer who defended this teacher. He was also um, the lawyer in the Leopold and Loeb case, mm -hmm. and that's where two wealthy students kidnapped and murdered a 14-year-old. It was a really, really, really big deal. I think we could share some articles. We, we won't go on and on because, like, it's really fascinating. So if anybody, f like, finds, like, uh, you know, crime, true crime interesting, you'll probably enjoy these articles. Uh, and then you can uh, dig in a little bit uh, more on Clarence because I think things kind of went downhill for him uh, towards oh. his later career. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, super interesting guy. Um, I, I – that – was that your whole list? That's it. I only have one thing that was uh, that wasn't on your list, and that was green stamps. Mm, mm -hmm. So this gets mentioned at some point in the episode. I probably should have said when it did. I think it was like, what can you get somebody interested in, or like, how do you? Maybe it was something to do with uh, how they were going to pay those guys that were helping Anthony. I I'm thought it was a joke about Suzanne. Maybe that's it. Something about she, she said, "Have you ever thought of?" Was it the, have you ever thought of incorporating comment? I don't know. It doesn't matter. So green stamps. Mm -hmm. I had to look it up because I didn't know what that was. Uh, and they were trading stamps popular from the 30s 
to the 80s, and they were part of some rewards program that could be traded in for merchandise. So yeah. if you guys remember what it was from the episode, tell us. <laughs> I don't think Nikki and I are going to be going back to look at this one again. No. <laughs> nope, because we are onward and upward, Selena. We are moving on to episode 16. Take it home. Reese's friend. So as always, if people want to support us, what can they do, Selena? Um, you can send money to my Venmo account. So you can tell your friends and family about us. Oh, sorry. You sorry. can ask people to listen to the podcast. Try to seamless throw, seamlessly throw it over to you and, and crap the bed on it. Ruined. <laughs> if somebody sends me cash, then you don't get any. That's true. Sorry. I will, we'll come back at the end and let you share your Venmo account. Uh, yeah. So people can share us with their friends and family. They can send Selena money. So then she can turn it around and put it back in the podcast. Um, and we would just love if people could share, share the show and rate us and review us wherever they listen to the podcast. And as always, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. I'm, I'm compressing Instagram and Facebook at sweet tea and TV. We're online. We're online guys. <laughs> we have a website. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> www.sweetteatv.com. And you can email us at sweetteatvpod at gmail.com. Well, you also told him to share us. So, <laughs> I mean, just go and pass us around. <laughs> We're a commodity. You know what, man? It's the end of a long week. We're headed downhill into a holiday. I feel like I'm about to get kicked out of Nikki's. <laughs> and with that, how about we uh, see you around the bend? So, it's time for extra sugar. (laughs) Is it a lot in person? (laughs) Well, I just didn't appreciate the body roll toward me. Well, it wasn't toward me. Okay, let's just get into it. Let's just get into it. I didn't have like a snazzy name for this one, but basically this time what I'd like to do is do a little bit of a deep dive on a reference that we get in this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes, you know, we'll like just give an explainer so people know what it is that's being talked about. And by we, you mean you. I think you just gave one for Clarence Darrow. I just gave one for a random drawing behind Suzanne's shoulder in the jail. And that too, yeah. <laughs> so don't forget, that's yours on social media. Um, so, but I think uh, sometimes it's worth exploring a little further as you and I have been learning on the fly. LBT really loves a reference and especially political references, you know, really keeps us on our toes sometimes because mm-hmm. We're talking about current events that aren't so current anymore. They're kind of lost to the sands of time. <laughs> so <laughs> feels like it sometimes when I'm trying to Google for it. Um, we get a really big name drop yeah. in this episode. It's very brief, easy to miss. Uh, but this is the person I'd like to focus on for this week. Uh, instead of telling you who this was, we're going to back into this parking spot. Okay. Because that's a fun time. Okay. <laughs> uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through some of their background and their accolades. And then I'm going to tell you who it is. Okay. Which I feel like I already said, but don't tell me how I did that. Okay. So this person was born in Ohio in 1934. 
They were left to treat um, and take care of their mentally ill mother at the age of 10 after their parents divorced. Uh, they also, after college graduation, and because they received a prominent fellowship, wound up living in India for a few years. So, you know, world traveler is what I'm trying to say. Then they went on to be a writer, a journalist, a best-selling author, including a very prolific biography about Marilyn Monroe. Uh, this person briefly wrote a sketch comedy uh, on television. This person helped found two prominent magazines, including New York Magazine. And in their early career, they went undercover as a journalist in a popular New York City establishment and then wrote an expose about the poor pay and working conditions there. They helped create uh, New York Magazine where they were editor and political writer. I already kind of told you about that, but I did not tell you about the editor uh, piece as well, so now you know. Uh, they were a co-convener of a national political caucus created a foundation that helped support individuals with HIV. Then in the late 1990s, or not the late 90s, but just the 90s, they helped establish something that I bet you you're familiar with, Take Your Daughter to Work Day. Mm -hmm. Did you ever participate? Mm -mm. Okay. So that was something that I did participate in with my mom. And this was actually the first national effort to empower young girls to learn about career opportunity. Mm -hmm. So... This person doesn't marry until the age of 66. I'll tell you who it is at the very end. It's very interesting. Uh, they are the winner of the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And then I would ask you to guess, Nikki. <laughs> but I told you ahead of time. <laughs> so I'll just go ahead and spoil it. I'm super glad you didn't ask me to guess because I would have guessed, uh, is it the author of Eat, Pray, Love? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. There's a lot of accolades in there. I mean, uh, so this person is Gloria Steinem. Mm -hmm. So it's quite the list of achievements, huh? That's fine. <laughs> she she did fine. all right. It's cool. But did she have a podcast? <laughs> uh, she's been on podcasts. But did she have a podcast? But did she have? She probably does. She probably one. does. I should watch my mouth. Yeah, I should. should yeah, no, that's that. really impressive. Yeah, So I so just to go back in case people missed it. Where this happened in the episode is when they're in their lovely warehouse and right before the police come, uh, Suzanne is not pleased when asked to participate in some of the manual labors. Um, and w when she does, though, she winds up chipping a nail and she remarks, I could just kill that glorious dynam. So, you know, we talk a lot about representation uh, in, on this podcast. And it often leads to these conversations about misrepresentation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's not just for groups. So it's not just for Southerners. It's not, it's not something that just happens, um, like, in a racial or, you know, ethnicity way. It's not something that happens just for, for women and countless others. Uh, it, this often happens with individuals, too. And it just sort of struck me with that reference in this episode that I think for some people, Gloria Steinem... Uh, and others like her, they become more like myths, mm -hmm. legends, and they lo and it looms large, but it's all very categorical. Like, oh, you mean the feminist, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I think for a lot of people, that's probably the extent of what they know. I, I feel like if I pressed a good amount of people for like, okay, but what else? Mm -hmm. They wouldn't know anything from that list that I shared, or very few things. Mm -hmm. um, or they'd know... 
other things. So for that reason, I thought it might be worth sharing some of these achievements instead of just sharing the labels that we so easily put on people. Um, the other thing that I wanted to do is, oh, I owe you something. Mm. So her husband did pass away, mm. but his son is incredibly famous. So I just thought, I just thought this was really interesting because I did not realize this. So she married David Bell and it's Christian Bale's father. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And mm-hmm. he's, he, he was an animal and environmental activist. Um, but he, he actually passed away only four years after they married. Oh God, that's sad. Yeah. And I think she still speaks of the great love that she has for him. So. Um, Were they together a long time? Do you know? Before that, I don't really know. Mm. I mean, but the marriage was four years. Yeah. Um, Let's see. I've got a quote for you because I kind of thought that this might resonate. And I know you love a good quote. I really think this one will, though. Selena stumps me with her quotes. This this is where we're going to drop this one, guys. I want to drop something in your ears. I want you to think about this. I I want you to think about this, especially if you're a man. Okay? So listen up. We've demonstrated that women can do what men do. But not yet that men can do what women do. Oh, dang. That's why most women have two jobs, one inside the home and one outside of it, which is impossible. The truth is that women can't be equal outside the home until men are equal in it. Is this giving you see my eyes tearing up? <laughs> That's it's true. It's a good quote, huh? It is. Yeah. I think fortunately we've talked a lot this last year about when you force everybody home, how the roles are incredibly unequal, even if you have a supportive partner. They're just unequal. And we're seeing more and more data coming out that women are leaving the workforce because it is so doggone impossible to wear all the hats all the time. It's impossible. Yeah, absolutely. And I I did say men listen up, but (laughs) let me step back and say, People are people. Yeah. I don't care if you're a man. I don't care if you're a woman. None of that really matters to me personally. Um, there, just be a good person. Mm. <laughs> just be supportive of your partner. And yeah. I, I think I can only speak from the experience of a cisgender female married in a heterosexual marriage with children. Let me so. turn your mic off then. Hold on. <laughs> oh, oh! I was like, I'll turn it off. I guess. Well, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you know. And I just say that I. I I, it, that speaks very much to my truth and it may not be true to everyone, but I think for a lot of women in my position, that rings very, very true. It was just a real, it, it rang really profound to me. Yeah. Like, and it like, I just think that, uh, we need progressive thinkers. When was that quote from? That was from, I really want to say it was from 09. Okay. So it was relatively recently. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would have cried even more if you'd said that was from 1974. She probably was saying something similar then. Yeah. I think the fight was different. I think the struggle was different. The last thing that I'll say is I do want to plug a show. It was called Miss America. It was on um, FX and Gloria Steinem uh, is portrayed in that show. And so are several other very key people in, in the fight for, um, equal rights for women, um, and, you know, equal pay in the workplace, which was really the heart of the equal rights amendment, which still has never passed. Um, and it's just a really excellent look at 
the way women function, how complicated life is, and how complicated uh, equality and justice can be. Um, and it really sets up some very interesting dynamics between women because there was an entire group of women who were also pushing against the ERA, and this became their life's work. And so, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not here to pass judgments. I'm just saying, go watch the show. <laughs> go when you're done with designing women, go, yes, and go educate yourself the way I like to through television. <laughs> then you fact check, guys. Then you fact check. That's what we're doing. That's what we're showing you. That's the service that we provide here. <laughs> So thank you for joining us. Um, we're, we are so excited to join you and in person with one another today. I mean, not you. You're not here. But we are. <laughs> uh, and with that, I will just say happy July 4th. Happy Independence Day. And thank you for joining us for Extra Sugar.